Welcome to the Avance Podcast. He's Nick. And I, oh, yes, uh, he's Dan, uh, I think. Uh, talk about... I'm like, wait a minute. I barely know who I am. Like, You can't do that to me. Like, your toes, man. You were grinning, too. You saw... I didn't see that one coming, so... Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, it's a, it's seasons are changing here. The seasons are changing. The it's leaves good. are falling. It's fall. We'll be watching SNL, and they'll be making sweaty balls. It'll be wonderful. That's true. <laughs> they will. Yeah. <laughs> Good old holiday season are coming. It's getting colder. Uh, for some reason, it's not getting colder in my apartment, which I will never understand. It seems like it's getting hotter. Your uh, apartment is weird. It, this is, this will only be my apartment for a little bit longer. I'm actually going to be moving from here. You'll know this because you've got to help me. <laughs> I'm moving from here up to the Isquah Plateau because they've decided to raise my rent to a point where I'm not willing to pay for that. So, yeah. That's a good time to do that. Yeah. I'm just kidding. It's a terrible it's time a to terrible do that. It's a terrible time to yeah, do that. Yeah. Let's raise everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the tide raises all boats. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> – yeah. so I'm, I'm, I'm in the midst of – you know, the podcasters can't see this, but I'm patching holes in the walls and stuff like that. So A lot of punching. i got to stop. I was going to say, kidding. i got to <laughs> stop getting angry pictures, at my walls. Pictures yeah. for those uh-huh. wondering. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's do this week's Carter Automotive Group tip of the week. This one's brought to you by Nick, and this is a great idea, man. Um, it's important, um, and sometimes this gets overlooked, but I mean, this is a personal thing with me. Uh, I know when I renew my Haggerty policy every year with the Triumph, they are very diligent about asking us where we keep it. Are we keeping it in the right place? Are we keeping it at the right temperature? Is it secure? Things like that. I bring up this because, <laughs> I mean, after if, if anybody, if you've been following Instagram or Facebook, you're seeing about some of the cars that are being absolutely towed out of the garages down in in florida yeah uh, we lost a p1 with 300 miles on it that he had for less than a week um, that sucks but the whole point of this is, my point is you need to check with your insurance company and make sure that you're keeping the car because if something was to happen in the car and you're not following those rules especially with the high-end cars there could be some issues i'm not saying that they wouldn't probably compromise but there could be some consequences to them saying you know okay great and this i'm not talking about like i drove it to my friend's house and you know <laughs> yeah somebody's neighbor backed into it but i'm saying will you personally keep it Insurance companies, especially, they want to know. If, I mean, it's like the old days when they were asked, "Do you have a you have an alarm?" Like, "Oh yes, I got a Viper alarm." And you know, where do you keep your car and things <laughs> like that? So, armed, yeah, Start exactly, the absolutely. That's funny. So I, I just encourage you to, you know, this is a catch twenty two. <laughs> yeah, touch base with your insurance touch company. base with your insurance company and ask what the requirements are or look it up in your policy. Definitely don't alert them if you're not doing that. But I'm just <laughs> telling you, you know, I don't want to dig you a hole, but make sure you know it's in your best interest because that way, if something does happen to your car, then you will be covered. Yep. Uh, and on that note, this is another time, a great time to review your policy, which you should do, especially this time of year. I say this time of year, because a lot of you are changing the use case of your car this time of year. Yes. So a lot of you may be paying for more coverage than you need to. This is especially more important for our younger listeners below 25. You're paying a lot for insurance, a lot more than we are. Our insurance is pretty cheap at this point in our lives. But I know damn well, I remember very well when my insurance was as much as my car payment, if not more, wow. when yeah. I was younger, when I had sports cars because I was young and dumb. And Yeah, that's why the premium was high. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. yeah. No, but if you are no longer driving your vehicle and you don't have a loan on it, maybe you have a, a sports car you're keeping like a, you know, something you bought cheap, but that's fun. That, that cheap track me out of that's no longer cheap. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but maybe it's a good time to like say, hey, you know what? Liability and comprehensive are more than enough when this thing has got you know, slicks on it and it's raining outside or the temperature starts to drop at night and you're just not driving anymore. Same with your motorcycle, which is what we're going to talk about in this, uh, this week's episode is all about motorcycles and mods. And we've done a lot of mod episodes, how to mod your car the right way. If you go back through the catalog, we've got whole Christmas lists of mods, but this time of year, yeah, a lot of you are putting your motorcycles away for the year, especially in the Northwest. California listeners, we're jealous of you, very jealous, but a lot of us, it's getting cold and we're going to put stable in our tanks get the bikes off the ground and winterize them. And they're just going to sit for like three or four months. And that's not a bad thing if you've got the luxury of having a bike like that, but not a lot of Harley riders are going out there when it's freezing. So think about that too, about changing that policy, saving yourself some cash. Yeah, it's important. Um, but also, you know, like last year, I looked at my policies both on the, both the bikes and I changed some stuff and then I ended up riding it. And so I had to go back and change it. Yep. <laughs> you know, I know, I mean, this is not a sponsorship for Geico, but I know with Geico, I can literally go on the app and change something yep. that day. It's so simple. So... Yeah, most of your insurance companies, modern yeah. insurance companies now allow you to do that through the app and just say, hey, and then maybe touch base and say, hey, you know what? I know I signed up for 5,000 miles a year. Well, I drove at 600 or rode at 600 because I had another car, whatever. Like, think about that. Go through. Uh, but Dan did bring up another a point to a point to a point. If there is a, a lien on the on that bike or on that car, yep. you are required to keep certain uh, 
levels on there. So just remember exactly. That. Yeah. yeah, make sure you don't yeah. <laughs> deny your loan. And they're like, hey, you owe us money. <laughs> or they'll pull out. A, they'll, actually, what they'll do, the, for those who don't know, they'll actually take out a second policy on you if you don't follow through. And they'll add you'll it to pay the cost of your loan. Oh, yeah. yeah. You'll yeah. pay a lot for yeah. it. A lot more for it. So make sure you're checking that. Yeah, they're insured. And just You may not be. <laughs> yeah. It, you just And oftentimes, <laughs> it's because if you like forget to check in with your insurance company, yeah. like, you know, you get a loan and then you have to provide proof of insurance. Well, a lot of times now, the insurance company will do it for you. But if they don't, your insurance company, if you don't respond, you like just ignore your mail like a lot of people do. They will just charge that to you yes. a lot. You'll see it. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this week we're talking all about motorcycles and mods for your motorcycle. Uh, we have been around a lot of motorcycles lately. Yeah. We're riding a lot more. I mean, obviously, everybody knows about the monkeys. They know about my my CRF 450. I think you're you're borrowing one right now, right? I yeah, mean, I've got one in go my riding. I've got one in my possession right <laughs> okay, now yeah. that uh, is heavily modded. It has all the right mods, which makes my life a whole lot easier. Yeah, because a lot of them are very expensive, and I probably wouldn't do them myself. But I'm really glad somebody else did. I, I think that's the one thing that, that you got to learn, depending on the type of bike you ride. And we're not talking. I mean, we're we're going to be talking a lot probably now about about uh, dual sports and things like that, uh, monkeys. But I mean, this will apply to oh any bike. Yeah, most of these. Bike. Yeah, we'll we'll clarify. Yeah, I mean, and just so we're clear, Street Glow Neon will not be on this list. I mean, I know it's important, but uh, maybe some no. LEDs now because <laughs> no, it's in modern age. Yeah, no, I want the thick the thick glass tubes. Neon, so. <laughs> just yeah. what every bike needs. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Um, I think the first thing you need to realize before you're modding a bike is you got to have the right bike for you. And I always encourage people, you know, ride a bike, uh, you know, ride, drive a car before you modify it, modify it. And yes, this is coming from me who literally buys modification for things as I'm driving off the lot for, so I mean, yes. I do understand that, but we're I have done way. my research, uh, especially with the CRF, did a ton of research with that. Wasn't necessarily ready to buy, but it came up to the market and found, I found one obviously thanks to brothers again, but, uh, you know, and I knew I, I had done enough research on that bike that I knew that I wanted that bike and I already knew all the mods and everything that needed to be done to it by being on the forums. Yeah, and uh, for those wondering, obviously, we haven't seen a whole lot of relief in the car market. Uh, so, and that's because it's just supply and demand. Everybody wants a car. Not everybody wants a motorcycle. There's less demand for them. So now is actually an oddly good time to buy if you have cash. The rates are a little higher on motorcycle loans. You Typically, a good motorcycle loan is between 45 and 6.5%. And most of them are hovering right now about the starting point is about 6 which is not bad, but um, but if you can pay cash, you can get bikes pretty cheap right now because a lot of people are hurting for cash. There's some whispers in the wind that Honda's got some some things. They're cutting off some things that we're not going to be able to see some of the bikes like the CRFs and the monkeys and things like that in the Groms. So yeah, you could see the price of those things go up, but I mean, obviously, supply and demand, uh, everything's going up right now. Yeah, so, yeah. But uh, yeah, to back to your point though, if anybody's on the fence, like, hey, maybe I want to ride, maybe I don't. Seriously, it's like the it's like in the car world. The answer is always Miata. In the motorcycle world, the answer is always Grom. Now, yeah. we say monkey. They're the same bike because yeah. we just like the look of them. But if you don't know, buy a Grom. They're dirt cheap. You'll probably get what you paid for it. They're dirt cheap to fix if you if you fall over on it, yeah. which is most people, to be clear, most people who crash on a motorcycle just fall over. That happens all the time. It's really hard to fall over on one of those. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, and I've seen it done. I mean, super I've easy done to ride, it. super lightweight. <laughs> but if you're like, I don't know, maybe I like this, maybe I don't. Yeah. Like, this is a super low risk investment, even right now. Get a Grom. <laughs> They're they're readily available. It's you will you will you fun. will have so much fun. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, Especially learning to ride. It's a great taste. Uh, yeah, it's a great bike to ride. It's it, like you said. It's a price point where something happens, it falls over. It's easy to fix. It's not going to hurt you. I've literally had my bike walk out from underneath me because <laughs> yeah. better than like going with the bike. So yeah, yeah, and that's also pretty normal. Yes, but all right, mods, the fun stuff. Where fun we, stuff. Where do you start? I'm just got my bike. I want to start modding it. Where should I start from the reason of what, not versus what I want to do, but what should I do first? I mean, and I think that that depends upon what you're going to do with the bike. I Correct. really do. I think if you're, if you're looking at the fact that you never want to touch dirt and you're going to cruise and you know you want to take that bike multiple days, multiple miles, like you're going to be looking for comfort. You're going to be looking for, for fun things like heated grips, like cup holders, like stereo <laughs> systems, Apple CarPlay, which is, I still cannot believe I'm saying that, you know, the new yeah. Harleys have Apple CarPlay. Um, you're going to be, you know, it's, it's about use. Yeah, obviously with, with us, you know, with looking at my dual sport, when I bought it, I knew what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to mod it, but I wanted, it was a power thing. It was a, one of the biggest things that came up with my bike when I bought it was everybody hates the, the, the lobes on the, th on the, the throttle. Oh yeah, yeah, and that was the first thing I did. Because throttle tamer. It, throttle tamer basically took it, and and it and it, it that was the number one thing that came up on everybody's thing. And I researched this and said, okay, if you're going to buy this, yeah, you know, if you're an experienced moto rider, that's great. But 
that was the first thing I looked at because it was something that I'm, it was a bigger bike. Obviously I came down from a 650 down to a 450, but it was still, that's a bigger bike. <laughs> yes. And, and so, um, and I came from a, a KLR, uh, 650 Kawasaki, which was a great bike and came modded, but that was more, I bought that bike. This is a perfect good that's example for mileage. Uh, yeah. for mileage. And I thought I was going to be doing a lot more dual track and stuff like that. And I went, I realized after riding that bike that it was heavy. Um, it, I wasn't enjoying myself as much as it was a great workout, but <laughs> I, I kept going by little trails going, I, boy, I'd love to go down there, but I can't because my bike's not going to fit. So, yeah. The first thing I always tell everybody to buy when they get a bike, no matter what it is, if it's, um, even, even when it comes to cruisers, <laughs> yeah. if you're a new rider, but pretty much period is some kind of crash protection. Now, oh, you want to follow the list? Yeah. Sorry. Oh, okay. I totally well, went no. off script there. <laughs> no, I agree. That was the first mod you did. <laughs> First mod you did, yeah, okay, fair that enough. makes sense. Yeah, okay, Rideability, yeah. we'll get to in a second. Yeah. But uh, the first thing I think we should do, I, I didn't write this list in order, but it is the first thing that came up because when I sold uh, accessories for motorcycles and I sold a lot of them, the first thing I was told to get is crash protection. It looks different on every bike, but it's uh, from sport bikes, it's frame sliders. Because like I said, you're going to tip that thing over and well, a DOT approved tank is metal. And when you dent a metal tank or you dent an aluminum frame or scratch it, it's very, very, very expensive to repair and most of the time, if you're relatively new on a bike, it's just a matter of finding balance. And because you've got on most bikes, the center of gravity isn't at the very bottom. It's designed to be, but it's it still rides up there pretty high. So when you start going, you tend to keep going. So simple frame protection on any sport bike. If that sometimes on cruisers, that's crash bars. So they call them, which are, they call them crash bars, but they're great for highway pegs. You can kick your feet out on a long ride on dirt bikes. That's things uh, a little different. That's bark busters on your handlebars. So that when the bike falls over, you've got a little extra bracing on the bars. It also, they double for great for riding through the brush and keeping things out of your hands. They also are great wind protection. It can also be things like um, the bark busters will protect the one thing you will break the most on a motorcycle, no matter what. And the it levers. Will, it will be your levers. Yes, hundred I mean, percent, and they will yeah. protect that. So, especially on a dirt bike, yeah, you will yeah. break your levers all the time. I've seen. I mean, sport bikes, uh, oh, yeah. Harley's, anything. I mean, yeah, bigger, the bigger bikes, over, the heavier it falls, the more it's going to break it. Yeah, yeah, usually bigger bikes bend the bars significantly. But absolutely, I still think the first place you should start is some kind of crash protection. So. Uh, yeah, and so I mean, you, you, you've got frame sliders, bark busters, radi- radiator guards. That's very oh, important on, on a uh, on a dual sport because, especially, just like if you're going to ride behind somebody, you're going to want a chest protector. You want something. Those radiators are the first thing that take. It's it's amazing to me that even on a bike that I paid so much for with the CRF, it came with plastic radiator guards, and I was it was just. It amazed me. So it, yeah, and they didn't do much. Very so. few bikes are going to come with anything on there. Um, good set of radiator guards you have braces and you have guards 70 to 150 bucks on average and radiators are going to be three times that so yeah so they're all lightweight and aluminum yeah and then skid plates skid plates especially with your your dirt bikes your dual sports uh you want something protecting under there it's funny because all these motorcycle companies be it you know street bike or whatever the, the bikes are beautiful and there's one one big chunky bolt on the bottom that's that's your oil plug and it, and it can so easily be hit and that goes all the oils out of your engine you're stopped wherever you're at so. yeah and it does it usually it's protected by the frame rails so i want to talk about sometimes yeah <laughs> i want to talk about that a little bit more and that is that a lot of people tend to go overboard when i sold a lot of this stuff a lot of people went with really big massive skid plates and yeah they offer somewhat more protection but when you add a bunch of a big thick aluminum skid plate and you hit a rock really hard, it does its job by protecting what's under the bike, but it also bends. And if you get a really good plastic skid plate, not like the side plastic on your bike, I'm talking like the Delrin, like skateboard wheel material like that you've gone with, that's really the way to go because it bends right back and it's strong enough to take a really, really hard hit. It's way stronger than you think. And it might crack, but it will not, it'll actually absorb the blow. I've never seen one of those fail to the point where it went through and hit the case. Like actually crack the case or hit the oil drain plug. You got to be careful putting them on because if you get them a little close to the exhaust, they, they do melt, melt a little but, bit. Uh, yeah. Other than that, that's very easily solved. Actually, uh, the hotter they are, the easier they cut. Uh, <laughs> so <true>. yeah, <laughs> yeah. The next one I put on here in an odd way, and that's luggage. And so luggage can be a backpack or it can be a little case on your bike. Now, if it's like the luggage, that seems kind of an odd thing to have such as a priority. If you're a new rider, especially having gear on you is kind of it takes some getting used to because a lot of all the gear you're going to buy motor, uh, motorcycle jackets, pants, whatever, it's going to have armor in it. And then you add a backpack onto that and you add weight and you're going to feel that fatigue a lot because you're holding your core just to ride the bike. And again, if you're riding well and you're riding fast, you're riding with your core more than any other thing you have. And so that fatigue sets in pretty heavy. So if you can get a tiny case on the back of the bike with minimal tools, uh, hold your license, your wallet, your phone, get that stuff out of the way. 
uh, it really does. It makes life just a whole lot easier. So you don't want a big pack. You want like a little tiny pack that just holds those accessories easy to grab. It's also great for holding your registration. Registration uh, t- uh, toolkit. Yep. And I also suggest uh, from a motorcycle standpoint that it, whatever case you get, fill it. Even if you d- put other things in it because that's part of a motorcycle is weight. And if something in that case is shifting, it will affect your riding. Yeah, if you've got a set, I've seen this only a couple times, but it was kind of cool. You can get foam and you can cut it out if you have very specific things you ride with. A lot of guys with tools do this so they don't move around. Yeah. Um, there's also called rally cases, and that's not just a name. A rally case is literally a homologated case. When you do Paris to the car or you do a certain types of enduro riding, they have a regulated size and case you can carry with you. Those are designed to stay really, really nice and tight on there, and they, they're they very, very tiny, but they're perfect for just holding a few things, and they're almost always waterproof, and they bolt to the bike. Well, yeah, except for that case that Brian put on the back of his that rocked off with like two seconds on the back of the monkey. Oh, yeah. I, um, I the one thing, the one thing, and I consider this on luggage, is, and I think the, the that bike uh, that, that you've got right now uh, has a, a rack on the back, but it's, uh, it's a, you, there's plates you can get for the back of these bikes, and a lot of times you can carry... Extra gas, which is important. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been looking actually at those plates because uh, I think it's kind of a neat thing. And then Rotopack makes a, a motorcycle. Uh, yeah, a motorcycle. the Rotopack yeah. is kind of big. Um, and typically... They have moto ones. Yeah, yeah, I know. They're still they're still kind of big. Um, they're great for adventure bikes. I love them. I love the Rotopack stuff if you use it. I've often find that I use an MSR fuel bottle. MSR is the brand. Yeah. And they make a red fuel bottle. And they have cases specifically for those. That can just bolt to your handlebars or they can like bolt to your number plates, your side panels. And that's usually because your bike gets such good mileage. You know, one of those little fuel canisters, which is like a bottle of water, I think it's one liter, is enough usually for 25 miles. Yeah. So that'll get you out of pretty much anything to a gas station. So, just well, and also, I mean, as far as adventure goes, you, you have seen the big bikes, the uh, KLRs, not the KLRs, but the, the BMWs, stuff like that. They have full on panniers and things like that, which is great. That is crash protection. That is, that is extra carrying, but that is also like you're camping, you're going to be on the bike for weeks sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Great for the BDR. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next, you one? can drive those any day. Uh, <laughs> next one's kind of uh, what I wanted to get back to with your throttle tamer. Sure, and that is uh, the tune. So this is not the same thing as a throttle tamer, but a tune on a bike is. We talked about this a little with BBR. Or so we're kind of getting the end of life of heavy tuning in cars, where it's even like you're paying a lot to get a good tune on a car now. The technology yeah. is catching up. Bikes, not so much, and. Uh, it's not a gray area. It's totally illegal to remove the smog system from your bike. I'm just going to put it out there. It's it's illegal to do that. That said, if you choose to do that, uh, I'm not your mom. I'm not the I'm not a cop. Uh, and you will open up a ton of power and save a ton of weight. So if you are a closed course rider and you want to, <laughs> and you'll have to sign something to buy the product. By yes. The way. Yeah. Yeah. You. It is. Um, yeah, it is highly worth it, and not just because of the power. Honestly, most bikes, most riders on most bikes don't need more power unless you're in track, guys. I'm not talking to you. Power savings, weight, weight savings, savings, fuel uh, efficiency. Fuel efficiency. The bike will run a lot cooler because it, it's not pushing stuff through all this smog yeah. crap. Yeah. Yeah. So a tune, a good tune on a race bike goes a very, very, very long way, and it is 100% worth the money you're paying for it to get a good tuner to tune your bike properly. There are emissions legal tunes out there. They do not net you the same gains or have the same advantages, but you will see an improvement in rideability. Often um, you can take out, especially Ducati owners, because Ducati can't tune anything for crap from the factory uh, at all. <laughs> Don't period. go back, Dan, tell you anything. Every yeah. Ducati I've had and ridden has been absolute trash from the factory as far as tuning goes. When sure. you open them up, they're amazing. It's some of the best riding bikes on the planet are Ducatis, but they need a tune to run properly. They don't run for shit. Is that, a tune. Is, that, is that an Italian thing? Is that coming out of a different Italy emissions or? standards here, there? It's just so yeah. annoying. And even now, like even new bikes, like y- you think they do pretty well until you ride them with a tune. Then you're like, Oh, <laughs> oh this is what it was supposed to That's do. That's what yeah. it's supposed to okay. ride. Like, yeah. So just everybody knows you're doing it. Just freaking do it. Anyway, there are simplification tunes. Uh, like, with, I mean, again, with the CRF that I've got, I simply, it was a brand new ECU. It yep. was a brand Strap new ECU that was thirteenth of the price of the bike, yes. but um, it was a, a plug and play literally. And I have options where I, I can take it. There's pre pre planned maps in it where I can change yep. it on the fly if I wanted to. Yep. So uh, next one, we've learned this one firsthand. Uh, I'm actually in the middle of this of this argument right now. So oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So gearing, and I don't mean the transmission. Oh no, I'm sorry. I, I, I skipped down some, but yes, yes. You're. Cr- I was thinking bars, but gearing oh, yeah. is correct. Yeah, yeah. So, so, and I don't mean the transmission. Um, although that's 
oddly easy to do on some bikes if yeah. you need specific gearing for racing or whatever you're doing. Um, but most of us just change our, change our chain and sprockets. We're just changing our drive ratio. So the typical move is one down in the front. And one down in the front is the equivalent to about roughly three in the rear. So one down, three up. That's, that's the ratio you're going with. And typically, you don't want to move more than that. And I just say, and I say typically because one down in the front or three up in the rear changes the angle at which your chain travels from the, the engine to the rear sprocket. And you have a limited around, uh, uh, range of motion in the rear there, but you have a lot of range, especially on an off-road bike. So one down in the front on our bike actually adds a lot of chain drag around the swing arm. And uh, even though it is a nice gearing change, you may, depending on the motorcycle, end up going three up in the rear. Now, obviously, you will have to change your chain out if you go three up in the rear, and you won't if you do one in the front. You can just adjust one tooth uh, in uh, adjustment on the swing arm. But it's extremely worth it. The monkey, one, or the Grom, or the monkey, either way, one down in the front is like the first mod everybody does. And yeah. it's worth it because it gives you a more usable first and second gear. And when you're climbing hills and you're, you know, average adult size on a really tiny bike that matters a lot and they're geared really tall for emissions well and and just to kind of give some some basics here when you think of it so let's say you've got you know you know 15 teeth in the front and, and 30 in the back just i know those are off but uh, yeah okay but if when i go down and you've got to think that 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 front sprocket's going to spin faster. Four, faster four or five times it's going to spin four or five times for one revolution of the wheel yeah, basically. So the, it, it will be spinning faster, which will be pulling the wheel. It's it's just, it's a ratio in there. And, it, and there's a lot, I mean, the math will is will burn your brain. But there's I mean, online calculators for this. Don't absolutely. Worry. And it, and it's, and it's very, you know, but there's, there are some downsides to it. Like I said, there are some wear, there's some wear things in within the spring arm and stuff like that. Like you said, that will, that can be affected, but it is so much worth it. Like I said, I, I don't know if we would have ridden the monkeys without that no at our weight range and a bike that small this yeah. is extremely important on really small bikes this is where you'll see the most gains from doing this so if you have anything less if you're a full-size adult and you have something less than even like 250 cc's or less a gearing change is pretty much required uh and i i say that because it just you yeah you can ride without it but you're gonna do a lot more work you're gonna be gear shifting a lot more especially off-road and on the street it actually makes you more usable to, because it allows you to stay in second gear longer and I say second gear because second gear specifically around town is where you often are on most bikes. And so that makes it easy just to ride around without having to shift all the time. And remember, all these companies are building bikes so they can pass all this emission stuff and all this, and you know, then, and then claim mileage numbers. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's claiming mileage numbers. It's the same thing. So, you know, you're, you know, this is going to go on to our next thing about exhaust. I mean, the exhausts are going to be heavy. They're going to be baffled, you know. Yeah, everybody in the car industry knows that when you give when you open up an engine, it has less restrictions, less comp, you know pressure to get the exhaust out. It runs better, especially on a motorcycle. Um, yeah. The main thing, the last thing I want to close on on gearing is if you are going to do a gear change, just a front sprocket change on a small bike is literally like if you went and got the nicest sprocket on the market, which is typically for the record, it's pretty much the same one all the time. It's the Renthal lightened front sprocket. It's a great sprocket. Uh, anybody. They sport bikes, dirt bikes, anything, go to the rental, but it doesn't really matter that much. They're like 15 to 30 bucks, like at most. Also, this is a wearable item. Yes. This is something you need to ver very much watch, okay? You have metal rubbing on metal. This It, it needs to be checked. I mean, if, you, if you're doing it, if, if whoever is looking at it, like they need to be replaced. They're not that expensive. I don't care. I mean... I'm yeah. sure on some of the bigger Ducatis, they're a couple hundred bucks, but still. Really not still. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oddly, front sprockets are just plain cheap, even on yeah. the most expensive bikes. They're just not that hard to produce, and they're usually made by all the same companies. There's, And if you do racing applications, it's Sprocket Specialties, by the way. If you don't know that name and you're in the motorcycle world, you should, because if you need a specialized sprocket that doesn't exist, guess what? They're called Sprocket Specialties for a reason. You're Good like, name. hey, I'm hill climbing. I need a 12 front and a 105 rear. Yeah, those are your guys. They yeah. will make it for you. And um, yeah, upgrade if you're doing that. It's a great time to upgrade your chain and sprockets. It's an easy first mod for your bike that you can do yourself. It's not super easy, but it's easy enough you can do it with simple tools. And and I don't we don't I don't want to get too deep into this, but chains is another deep deep hole you can go into as far as um, what the type of chains you're getting, how they're coming apart, you know, things like that. Um, make sure you know consult a specialist i guess is the best thing so yeah, yeah uh changing the chain even though it's the same like say 520 for example five the typical chain on a full-size bike is a 520 chain or a 530 um if you go too wide like there's different types of width on 520 chains and so like from a racing chain with no o-rings the most 
excuse me, the least amount of rolling resistance, it's going to fit great in a lot of dirt bikes, but a lot of dirt bikes are made for racing. And so if you say, hey, I want more longevity because I'm doing Enduros, I'm going to street convert this thing. Yeah, an O-ring chain might actually rub your case. So do some measurements, ask around. Uh, you'll hear it. Yeah, you, you'll know. <laughs> yeah, And you you will want a case saver on any bike you have. Yes. Just so, yeah. 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 Anyway, uh, Christmas presents, just saying. Yeah. Uh, the next one, I want to talk about exhaust. I want to talk about one part of exhaust in this section of okay. why it's worth it before I go into why it's not worth it. It is absolutely worth it for the weight savings alone. Absolutely. The weight savings from switching out your exhaust should be the number one reason for doing exhaust. Even on a small bike like the Grom or the Monkey, you're talking like an 80% weight reduction by going with a quality exhaust. I think I it's saved not more. close to 20 pounds taking the exhaust off the CRF. Yeah, it's massive yeah. on the big bikes. Yeah. Um, Harley guys, even you, even I, I know you guys don't talk about weight very much because your bikes are heavy. It still makes a huge difference. Like there's a massive, massive weight reduction. And yeah, bikes tuned with an exhaust do run better, period. Smoother everything around. There's a lot of negatives with exhaust. I want to get to that later before we go down that rabbit hole. Okay. Next one. Bars. And I'm, I'm in the middle of this right now. I don't know if I bought the right bars for my bike. And it's tough because you can take a bar and you can put it up to your bike and you can think about where, you know, but it, it's a, everything from, you know, the, the rise to the, the thickness of the bar. I mean, we've got seven eighths to what, one and an in, or inch and a... Inch and a quarter. Inch and a quarter. One inch. Um, You know, and there's so, again, it's about your riding style. And I bought a bar that I thought was, and I put risers on the bike, but then I realized that when I was, when I put the bar on the bike and I stood up, the bars are a little still too low. Like I didn't get enough of an uprise. Mm -hmm. I bought them. The uprise is perfect when I'm sitting on the bike, but with the dual sport and as I get more and more off road and I'm I'm, I'm teaching myself, I'm spending more time on my toes, which you should. um, And I'm realizing the bars are not up as high as, and I'm, it's causing my back issue and thing like that. So this is a tough thing. This is about trying to figure out a bar that's best for you. And it's tough because with bars, you're buying them. Sometimes you're drilling pins so that, that the throttle doesn't spin on you. And once you buy a bar, you own it. And now they're not ungodly expensive, but they aren't the cheapest thing you're going to get out there but it is about comfort yeah 70 to 130 a shot typically yes. for most bars in aluminum and yeah like you said it, it does it is trial and error and the more you ride the more you'll find what you like and how you like to ride um, or how you like to have your hands on the bars and it's not just preference like you get too uh, if you get too high of a bar you may end up to the point um <laughs> I see this more on street bikes but i have seen it a couple times for off-road guys who ride certain ways you may have to extend the length of your cables yep which is that gets really expensive. Now, 99% of you don't need to do that. But if you've been riding 20 or 30 years and you really know how you like to ride and you are set in your ways, maybe this is worth it to you. It could absolutely be. Um, and ain't, dirt bike guys, street bike guys, anybody, if you need extended cables, like you're like, man, how are we going to find these things? Go to a Harley shop. Because Harley shops, a good Harley shop, will know how to make custom cables on the fly. I mean, brake lines, cables, they can do all that in-house. All you do is bring your cable and show you, and they can crimp them, give them right there. Like, yeah, those guys, this is a very, very common mod on Harleys with ape hangers, things like that. So extending cables is not hard, but it's also expensive, especially brake lines. You want to be comfortable riding your bike, and you want to be able to, in your most comfortable, you want to have the bike set up for when you're most comfortable or what you're going to be doing the most of. You're going to be on the pegs, off the pegs, in the seat, things like that. Like I said, when we started this, like the Harley guys, you're going to want to be out, you know, there's a reason everybody looks at ape hangers and goes, God, those are stupid looking, but you put your hands up there and kind of hang like your arms are comfortable. Like, yeah. So yeah. Maybe not for yeah. a super long ride, but no. most of us aren't doing multi-state no. rides, just putting it out there. Yeah. You can change it up. Uh, the next one is levers. And this is going to be your clutch and your brake lever. Um, you will break these. I yeah. don't care. I don't care if you have the best bark brushers in the world. Yep. Your bike's going to fall over in the garage. It's going to fall over on you. It's going to break. Um, there are breakaway levers that, that go both ways, which seems really weird. Um, you're going to pay more for them. Uh, you know, I think the the best lever I ever put on a bike was the one I've got on the monkey. And yeah, the monkey. TS. Uh, are they TSM or the? Um, I don't know the gold ones. Uh, CRGs. CRGs, thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah no, I so love I them. Yeah, so I've had CRGs on four of my bikes. They uh, are, and they're literally there's a dial you can adjust them when they're on the bike to bring them closer yep. and farther away from the bar, which I love. Yeah, so. so I've had fly racing, and I've had CRGs, and I've had CRG race roller clicks on most of my street bikes, and those are the best levers I've ever had, from perfect fit. And just so you guys know, I'm, Amazon levers suck. eBay levers suck. Those pretty billet ones are like, oh, those look the same. Those are billet. They're aluminum. No, they don't fit for crap. They will wear out your uh, brackets on your master cylinders and on your clutch uh, perch. Your clutch perch is cheap. Your master cylinder brake is not. And those levers that don't fit will wobble around. They don't just don't get them. Don't waste it. Like they're only 40 bucks. No, they suck. There's a reason they're 40 bucks. 
you spend a good set of levers is going to run you 130 bucks and up yeah. typically. And they're worth it. There's a reason they're 130 bucks and up because they have really tightly machined tolerances that are designed especially for your bike. When you upgrade your levers and you will keep your old levers. Yes. Them. It's part of my toolkit so that when it falls over and breaks, I can get myself home because a bike is useless. If your clutch cable, if your clutch doesn't work, it's, it's going to be an interesting ride. Yeah. So. Uh, flip side to this argument, aftermarket levers like that are really nice. They're really pretty. They're also a little bit heavier than their stock levers and every ounce counts on a motorcycle. So one downside to that, you can just buy an extra spare, just spare levers and carry them with you. They're really easy to change, but then you're carrying the tools to change them too if you're doing enduro stuff. So you kind of do, you kind of moot the point if you have another tool set just to change your levels. I have a motorcycle levers. question for you. Mm-hmm. On my KLR, mm-hmm. I got it. The stock levers had a curve at the end of mm-hmm. the ball. Why are they curved at the end? They curved out around your hand. And I don't and, and that that was the stock lever. Yeah. I looked it up. It wasn't it looked like somebody had heat heat bent it. I mean, and it did stop it when I, I fell, it it stopped it from breaking as much, but I didn't know yeah, if there was it something increases correct. bending when they fall. Okay. Versus breaking. So a straight lever if you think about a, str- a lever that's straight out or only has a mild curve, when it hits the ground, especially pavement, it'll snap. Okay. When it's really got a heavy curve on it, it bends in. It bends a little bit more. And a bent lever is still usable. A broken lever is not. There you go. Um, okay. I typically go with shorties uh, because, well, I keep my clutches in really good shape and I keep my brakes in really good shape. So short levers don't, I don't need a lot of pressure to brake a motorcycle. And I think you'll look at a lot of levers and they're, they're, they look like you can put your whole hand on it. Most of the time you're using two fingers. Two, two fingers. Yeah. 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 Uh, the next one. So suspension. Oddly enough, almost every motorcycle you buy that is worth a little bit. I'm not counting the, the budget bikes. Every full-size motorcycle, especially sport bikes, come with amazing suspension. Yeah. Like incredible, ready-for-the-track suspension. Adjustable, like, too. Yeah, very yeah, adjustable. From the, from the factory, yeah. But what I say here is, if you are a heavier rider, or if you are an extremely light rider, it's very worth it to change your suspension. So your, your suspension is dialed for a certain weight ratio, and it says it right in the manual. There's no guesswork here. You don't have to like look it up. Just RTFM, read the manual, and it will tell you what your bike is dialed in for. If you are outside of that range, change your suspension. Now, you don't need to go buy a whole new shock. You don't need to go buy new forks. You can have them. You can put new springs front and rear, and you can change the fluid, and you're good to go. This stuff's all designed to be changed, but it's one of the best mods you can ever do. Riding a bike with properly tuned suspension is a game changer. If you don't know how to do it, read your manual. It's actually very clear on how to change uh, all your suspension settings. And it's great. It, it's just one of those things a lot of people overlook. They just get on the bike and ride and never think about it. And then once they go to a place, uh, Motor Pro is who a lot of the locals use here, and they have them dial in, set their sag, set the, uh, the rebound. Like, it makes a massive difference. Like, you won't believe how much more planted your rear wheel is, how much better it breaks, how much better it turns in. Like, these are massive improvements. It's really not just like, oh, maybe. No, it's, you'll know. You'll know immediately. And it's really just typically, even if you are overweight for it or underweight for it, they can still dial that in as best they can and get it closer, and you will find it worth the time and the money. That said, again, the money. A yeah. full, proper suspension, revalve, new springs, and a lot of guys, like the bike I'm on, went to titanium springs, so they saved a bunch of weight. That's about 1000 bucks. Um, for a complete suspension overhaul, hundred percent worth it. Hundred percent worth it. Suspension overhaul on my monkey was a thousand dollars. Yep, most of that was the rear springs from Owens, which I didn't need to buy, but I, they look pretty. Uh, <laughs> but no, I mean those bikes would not have been rideable for us. Like if right. we hadn't yeah, done that, completely I mean, unrideable. The the monkey is set up for a small tie boy uh, <laughs> to be riding. Yeah, like if you're ninety pounds, the <laughs> 90 monkey's pounds. good to go for Absolutely. you. Absolutely, if you're yeah. two hundred plus, uh, yeah. it's a, we're a little heavy yeah. for it. But oddly, putting on your suspension really. Fixed it. It absolutely fixed it. It was perfect. It's, it's perfect perfectly it's perfect easy for now. us to ride it, it now. Took, it took some dialing in, but uh, it's great. Uh, the next thing we have on the list is lowering, and this is suspension, and this can be done either with springs or with a lowering link, depending on the, the suspension setup you have. Um, a lot of times people, I mean, we have some friends, uh, one friend of ours that is probably five foot two and weighs 100 pounds and rides the biggest Triumph motorcycle I've ever seen in my life, but she put a lowering link on it, and it fits. And I mean, it's about being able to, truthfully, that's about being able to touch when you're stopped more right. than anything. Yeah, and that adds a lot of confidence when you're riding. Yes. And I tell everybody, so full-size full size dirt bikes, which is everything pretty much above 250 cc's with uh, full-size suspension, is really set up racers. I'm not talking to you. Again, don't at me. <laughs> a lot of people buy a 250 cc dirt bike, and it's often because of their weight where they go up in engines class. So like, even they're like, man, a 450 is a lot of bike. It is, it's a ton of bike. Uh, for somebody who's 200 plus pounds though, it actually makes it 
much easier to ride. You're not shifting as much. You need all the power. Downside, if you have like a 32, I always, the rule of thumb I typically use is you have a 32 inch inseam or lower. It doesn't matter what your height is. It's your inseam. You're going to find yourself a lot more comfortable on a slightly lowered bike. It's just easier to move it around. Um, racing, motocross, kind of a different story. You want all that suspension travel and this does reduce your suspension travel and it reduces ground clearance. That said, I still think it's worth it for 90% of people out there. Most 90% of you aren't as fast as you think you are. Well, yeah, we're not going to be flying off a track to, go, you know, right. taking a bike and dropping it 50 feet in the air. So, yeah. No. And for those of you who not are... Not on purpose, at least. No. no. And for those of yeah. you riding single track and doing, especially the booming adventure market, guys, just lower your bikes. Trust me. You will be so much happier. It lowers the center of gravity. It makes it way easier to ride everywhere. It makes it way easier to stop in traffic. Yeah, you're going to lose some suspension travel, but I guarantee you, I've, I've followed most of you. You guys aren't jumping the railroad tracks. You guys aren't jumping it off the single track. I mean, be honest with yourself. The trade-off, do you want to, if 95% of your riding fits into this, it's probably worth it for you. I'm just saying, it'll make life a lot easier. And I want to tie this back into something, and this is one of the reasons. Uh, I put a TSM uh, skid plate on my bike, and one of the nice things it came with is there was a, low, a, a trailing arm off the back that protected the bottom end of my suspension. So Yeah, the lowering link. Yeah, yeah. which I like. Or the rear, yeah. Yeah, the rear dog rear bone. Link, yeah. The dog bone, they call it. Yeah. Um, which does need a lot of servicing, by the way, on our bikes. Um, the other one to talk about for lowering, also another option, if you don't want to limit the suspension travel, get a new seat. Uh, it's... They're everywhere. You can get lots of low seats that are more comfortable because they have gel pad inserts. They're wider, way easier to ride. And uh, yeah, if you're a little shorter, start with this. Before you do anything else, start with a seat versus the lowering link because then you're not changing any of the suspension geometry. You're yeah. just making the bike a little more comfortable. Even if you're not lowering the bike, change your seat. I've never had a bike that I didn't want to change the seat on. The worst was my RC51. That was like a little foam strip over a plank and that was awful. The bike was great to ride. But every bike is improved by a seat. And you can buy an off-the-shelf seat and get a better one, but... Seat Concepts. Yep. Uh, wonderful company. Uh, does a great job. I mean, for the Hondas, like, I, for some reason, the, even the 450s, the RLs, and stuff like that, the, their main dual sports, they come with the, the seats off of, like, the race bikes, which on the race bike, you're not sitting on the seat. Yeah. <laughs> you're really no. not. So it doesn't... Um, the seat's and, a place to grip when you turn. That's it. Even with the seat concepts, which is wider, has more padding, I mean, I still have a, a, a time limit of how long I can be on that bike. I was going to say the monkey seat. The, okay, so the monkey, the monkey <laughs> seat was different. The monkey seat was... Uh, I, I mean, I had fully custom done because I needed, I, well, I'm old and I put gel in it. I'm going to be honest with that, but that's um, the best seat I've ever been on. Yeah. Well, and, and we built it around that. The fact that, I mean, we knew, uh, I mean, weight wise with the suspension and stuff like that. And I knew that there was no way that I was going to be. You can't be on your feet. You can't be on the pegs and out standing <laughs> off the, on the monkey. So you're spending more time on the seat. So it was very important for me that I, you know, didn't break my spine while riding that bike. So, but so yeah, I did. You and you can do that. I mean, you can do it at home. You can order kits and you can redo your own seat. It's a little tougher, and you're going to have to have some tools. Get a buddy but, and get a nice staple gun. Yeah, I mean, it can be done. It's it's yeah. it's you know, it's a great weekend. Don't drink while doing it. Um, no, yeah, because you'll put a staple in the wrong area and you'll never have kids again. But <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So I just want to say, yeah, if you have the money, a custom seat is hundred percent worth yeah. it. hundred percent of the time they are, you want to be comfortable. This is the point yeah. of this is to have fun. So. Yeah. Especially street guys. Yeah. Get a custom seat. Yeah. I promise it's worth the money. Uh, next one, different tires. Now motorcycles, thankfully come with really great tires. Yeah. 99% of the time a bike is that is built to do anything. Adventure, sport bike, cruiser. They come with cruising tires. They come with sport bike tires. And a lot of those tires they don't compromise on. Like really aggressive sport bikes, crotch rockets, super sport bikes. They have really, really sticky tires. They're great. Dirt bikes don't come with junk throwaway tires. Um, you won't, they won't last very long. They actually hook up great. But if you're like us and you said, you know what? I'm going to go take my grower and monkey and I'm going to go do gravel roads and ride it through dirt. Uh, super simple thing to swap over. <laughs> take it back. Not a simple thing to swap over. Super simple mod that is just easy to get done and you will 100% worth it. Makes your life so much easier and, and you can cha change bikes up and 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 i mean with with the dual sports and stuff like that tires are not that expensive like i mean no. you're the installs that. more than that like i'm going to be upgrading uh the, that bike you've got has got dunlop 606s on it right yeah and i like that tire because it's a little more aggressive it's i don't know how street legal it is it's the it's the most aggressive street legal tire on the market still so basically i'm using my bike the only reason i need a little bit of street on it is so that i can get to the trail everything else i'm, I'm using in dirt yeah so i, I want a little bit more on street on bike. i want i want to it's a little annoying trust me um i just want to get there so that the the dunlops that i'm looking at are are a little bit more open tread they're not going to last as long but they're going to be 
much yeah, better off-road. They're terrible so. in corners. They're not made for the pavement. But for yeah. 90% off-road, well, you can get... And it tells you right on the tire, this is a 90% off-road tire. And yeah. like they mean it. They're not joking. Don't kid yourself. You're like, oh, I want a 50-50. No, that's going to be 50-50. If you do more than that, you don't want the tire. <laughs> the baseline to this conversation is figure out the type of rider you want to be. Yep. And you can be multiple riders. You can have multiple bikes. But just what that bike is going to do for you, like, you know, if you want to go rip in single track, you don't need a bunch of weight on your bike. You need it th- You need it thin. You need it, you know, light. So, and you need a two-stroke. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, super quick one. I'm just going to glance over. If you've got a street bike, if you've got a sport bike, get a tank pad. Yep. Your zipper will scratch the heck out of your tank and it will ruin it. Get a tank pad. Super easy to put on. Or uh, you, they have, you can just wrap the tank. It's very expensive to do because tanks have a lot of curbs and they're very difficult to wrap. But it's worth it. You will scratch the heck out of your tank with your jeans and zippers and everything else. So do that. They have spray on clear coat or clear clear bra now. I was watching an episode on it. And, uh, All I could think of is cloudy with the chance of meatballs. Yes. Spray on shoes. Spray on shoes. <laughs> Different. <laughs> Different. But I mean, that's the thing that's coming up. But it, it is important. Uh, like I have, to, I'm going to have to end up repainting the tank on the monkey because my knees scrape that those those knee braces that I was wearing. Scrape yeah. the crap out of the side of the tank. But it's I look fault. into that. It's often cheaper just to buy a new tank on eBay. I'm aware. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've looked as well. I mean, I'm not the kind of guy that would take my whole bike apart and paint it every a single color and all that. So that's true. That'd be that'd, weird. That'd be weird, right? <laughs> yes, so. Um, then I'm going to jump ahead a little bit because these these two I'm going to get into it in the next section. But uh, the last one is a mirror upgrade. <laughs> Motorcycle mirrors are often terrible. And there's a lot of options for changing them out depending on how you ride. So if you're a dual sporter and you're a 90% off-road dual sporter, not an adventure, you're going to want to tuck your mirrors in because you're going to break them. Or you're going to want to buy um, mirrors that are made to be... Ram mounts. Yeah, Yeah, ram mount mirrors that are made to fold in. So just keep that in mind, especially it's a great little Christmas gift. Um, I like my mirrors tucked in and really small um, because I'm typically looking under my arms and back, which means they're on the inside of the handlebars. Which is the reason why I got those mirrors on my bike. And I love them. But I mean... There's no substitute for looking, by the way. No, look over your shoulder. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, that's um, that's kind of what I wanted to end on this. Yeah. As far as like the mods we think you should know, think you should do, and they're great gifts for anybody Christmas. Um, so I want to jump into a, a different kind of next section, and that is the stuff that is oddly just plain not worth it, and I've never seen it be worth it <laughs> for the, some of the different reasons you think you have these things. Okay. Uh, the first one is brake upgrades. Again, racers, I'm not talking to you. I mean, I, I, I don't know if I've ever gone through a set of pads on my bike. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I rode pretty hard when I was younger. Yeah. Yeah. So you will go through pads on but dirt I'm bikes. I'm talking about upgrading to four piston. I mean, brim yeah. Boat. I mean, on a monkey or something like that, a really tiny bike, maybe if you were not using it for its intended purpose. Oh, Rimbo, I know they Rimbo do. Rimbo makes the yeah. calipers for our bike. Yeah. But I'm saying, like, you sport bike guys, especially your brakes on a motorcycle are massive compared to a car. And typically, you cannot brake hard enough to overbrake your bike um now and that said most modern motorcycles outside of like really f- specific dual sports like ours and small bikes even the monkeys you can get abs and it works really well a lot of them come with traction control now too and i have never in all my years even on the boiled fluid in a bike i have yeah have you okay yeah so changing the fluid out is one thing i don't mean like serviceable items i just mean like actually changing the calipers out a lot of the guys i've seen who've done this have the only people the time I've ever seen this worth is for racers who need to who want to reduce weight, or they're racing in a specific class where they would are like endurance racing and they want to go with like a cast iron rotor or something like that. They just or even carbon now. But other than that, dirt bike guys, I mean, even at the track, you guys pretty much never go through these things. No. And it's really a wasted upgrade, especially stainless brake lines. Unless you're extending your lines, this is pretty much never worth it. They're pretty. Yeah, they look nice, um, but for the they're really just a bunch of marketing hype. I believe that on the car side too. I've just never seen it really be worth it. And the only exception, I guess, to that would be if you're spending a lot of time traveling really, really long distances on gravel roads. You might eventually wear through a brake line. I have seen them rupture, but it's usually from a crash. Yeah, it's not a wear thing. It was just a crash thing, and you will pull the brake line away from the handlebar in a bad enough crash. But usually, more stuff's gone wrong at that point. You'll be amazed where you find rock chips from rocks on a bike, like. So far up inside your <laughs> yeah. frame, and you're like, "Wait a minute, what? How'd that get there? It got it got past three things." So yeah, yeah. the next one is exhaust. Now, I said earlier on, exhaust is one of the best things you can do to your but bike. But wait, Dan, <laughs> yeah, and they open up the bike a lot. Yeah, if you think you're going to get massive power gains from headers, you're probably not. This is really just they're just really just annoying. I'm gonna put it out there. Like there's there is a sweet spot with exhaust that sounds better, especially Harley guys. I know you guys love it. I love it too. I love a good sound on Harley. But there's a point where they just get obnoxiously loud. And you're just annoying everyone, including yourself on a long ride. Trust me, you'll pretend it's cool 
But 20 miles into that ride, they'd be like, shut the F up. I just want to ride. And all I hear is, brap, brap, brap. And you're just like, oh, this was a bad idea. This has nothing to do with the exhaust. But when we were riding the monkeys on the road going up to Lake Chelan, and and we were all next to each other, and we were at the same RPM, and it was going, wah, wah, yes. wah. I, was, I wanted to kill myself. Yeah, endless like, engine drone. And that is something you need to take into consideration. And you can get it. If you're going to get into exhaust for your bike, go on the internet and listen to what it sounds like. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, it's opened up there's less baffles there's you know i'm you know it's important to and i do want to say this um if you're going to go out and get a dual sport and you're going to get a new exhaust make sure it comes with a spark arrestor or you will get a nasty ticket huge ticket huge ticket yeah especially with all the fires going on even though i've never heard of a motorcycle starting a forest fire in my entire life they will still think it will and fine you for it because they can't so and remember i'm just that's a side note but yeah yeah, and um, they do make quiet core inserts for most of these. We're dropping down to 94 decibels, which is the legal limit for most even tracks, uh, which is still pretty loud. 94 is not quiet, no. but it does help a lot. And it doesn't just change the sound. It actually changes the torque curve a bit. So you want to make sure that that is included in your tune. Yeah, next one is intake. Doesn't do crap. Your airbox and your sport bike is designed to suck in as much air as humanly possible. That being said, yeah, taking off that airbox off the monkey... Took off four pounds worth of plastic. Yes. it's. I mean, there are places that it could do. But again, when we, I mean, we did do upgrades on, on the ECUs on the monkeys too. And those include the exhaust and the intake because it's less restriction. It's pulled in. It, it did make a change. It took away a ton of what I consider useless plastic and things yes. like that. So, I'm done. Um, yeah, this was more toward the sport bike guys. No, I get you. I've seen that so many times where it's like, Rammer's like, no dude, it's, it's not going to do what you think it does. I've seen the dyno firsthand and watched it and I'm like, Oh, that didn't do anything at all. If and you're driving fast enough, the power. air will be rammed in there. You're yeah, good. Yeah. It so, usually yeah. reduces power. Yeah. Uh, in spite of manufacturer claims, even, even aftermarket air filters. Um, so we've said this before in the show, there's been plenty of tests that prove this. You know how you get more power out of an aftermarket air filter? You make it a shittier filter. If it, if you got more power from an aftermarket air filter, you just allowed more to go through. And uh, dig deep. The tests prove, the tests have shown, you're just adding more crap into your engine. It's just allowing more to flow through. And if you add more air, you add more dirt. Simple as that. So close, close course, great, do it. You're not going to get a lot of crap on a racetrack. Uh, for those of us who would like to ride in the dust and the sand or even on the street, these typically aren't worth it, and they typically will do more wear to your engine. Uh, so, just saying. That being said, and I didn't do this, but I did try it, I should say, like with ours. Um, taking the top of the airbox off. Oh, yeah. Helped. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. You also allow uh, yeah. a lot more water and dust yes, to get in your airbox. Know, know, so, yeah, 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 no, yeah, I'm with you. It's You're worth gonna go it. through filters a lot faster. Yeah. Which, by the way, I still need to buy a filter. Uh, <laughs> about that. Um, but, yeah, it's there's a lot of stuff out there. I mean, do the research. You know, I mean, there's going to be enough people, especially with YouTube, that somebody's done it, somebody's talked about it, somebody has, you know, you can look at the, the numbers will be there. So, yeah. And most people who are claiming I got this, I got that are probably just trying to, you know, save face because they spent a bunch of money and get anything from it. Like, look, I'm telling you guys, I worked in the industry for a long time. I sat next to the dyno and watched a ton of these bikes be tuned. Yeah, you're just not getting the gains you think you are from this stuff. It may sound better. I'll give you that. Um, but there's a limit, like to this just saying that being said if anybody listening to this has a motorcycle shop and you have a dyno i really want to know how much horsepower i don't have in the monkey <laughs> yes <laughs> i want to run our side by side right be great. absolutely yeah I'm, yeah we can run both of them on the same tube yeah see what exactly. happens yeah. if it'll yeah. even turn it yeah i, I don't know. yeah so yeah um before we end off on mods i will say the most set it with cars too same rule applies the best mod you can make is learning to ride yeah uh, and I mean everything from the motorcycle safety course, which will teach you a lot of really great, basic fundamentals of riding skills and the laws, which is, if you haven't ridden a long time, it's great. I loved it. I absolutely It's fun. Loved, I mean, it was, you know. It's That's a little, it, bring your own bike. Yeah. It, well, actually, you, you can't. You got don't, don't bring your own bike. I mean, yes and no. Okay. If you've never ridden before, ride their bike. Yes. Because they don't care if you drop it. They don't care if you break stuff. The clutches are going to suck. It'll actually make you a better rider. But, um. If you, I mean, if you know how to ride and you just need to go get, like me, I rode for years, never had my license. Don't do that. That's illegal. But, you know, <laughs> and they crack down on a lot now. They crack down. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a big thing. But it was, I mean, it was a couple of days, a, a couple of nights of little of stuff, and then it was like a Saturday and a Sunday. And they, I mean, they taught you how to ride a bike. They mm-hmm. really did. And re- it was a lot of really useful information that, you know, I went in there thinking, I know how to ride. This is not a, and I did know how to ride, <laughs> but I learned a ton. And I mean, the, the schools are great. The people are nice. Um, and it's a pretty simple program. So, and you actually will walk out with, 
You get your you get your endorsement one day, and then you get your license the next day. So your permit, yeah. Sorry, your permit, yeah. Yeah, then you yeah. get your endorsement. Yeah, and if you, you don't pass, you still get to hold on to your permit and keep studying, and then you can retake the test. And there's some things that you can still do while riding without a motorcycle endorsement, but that's true. Take the, take the course. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then beyond that, of course, you have your riding schools. Yeah. Too fast and often performance are our local ones here. Ton of ton for you guys in California. You guys are lucky. You guys have got riding schools that happen all the time. You don't have to go in the rain all the time. That said, um, these aren't just for racing. Too fast and often performance. Yes, they do offer those advanced courses if you want to go race, and that's great. You will be a much better rider if you do. But if you have anything, cruiser, dual sport, Grom, you can go to these courses, go to the track, and I guarantee you, you will be so much better of a rider, so much faster of a rider. No matter what you're riding, it's 100% worth it. I really, I still want to take one of those courses. I mean, I have you, which is which is helpful. But but um, I want to you take should. one of those courses, huh? You should. It's fun. No, but I'm saying for like the slower stuff off road and learning how to get oh, yeah. come over overtake you know logs and things like that and and how where to put your weight and how to the proper throttle and balance your bike and things like that. Um, yeah, just wheelie and gun it. Drop the clutch. You know, <laughs> just you got to compress the front so it pops. Nah. Okay. Let's call the clutch up. I still have not mastered a wheelie. After all these years, it scares me, and I, I, I just, I don't know. Yeah, we'll do that's, it on the monkey. I, I, I've done it accidentally on the monkey, but yeah. th- that's how the monkey came out from underneath. All right, me. wheelie time for everybody who's listening. It's yes. called a clutch up. That's the first thing you should learn. You should definitely do it on a grom, <laughs> and that's literally give the bike a little rev and then feather the clutch up. And you can on a little bike, you literally can just kind of let it out, and you're going to kill it a couple times. But your your ideal speed to do this on to when you're first starting to learn to wheelie, second gear, right? First gear. First gear, okay. Yeah, when you're first starting to learn. You'll eventually do go through all the gears, and that's fun. But um, between three to five miles an hour, maximum speed. Right around three is kind of the sweet spot. So you're moving, but not slow enough that you're falling over, but fast enough that you're not like going to throw the bike out from underneath you. And you literally just kind of center. You don't center yourself. You don't lean far back. You don't lean far forward. You just kind of center yourself, and then you just let the clutch out. Rev it up and let it out on a little, little bike. Not a big bike, on a little bike. And then it'll just come up. And then if you want it to come down, you, you hit the make, rear brake. You make it sound so easy. I think I've done a, a thousand miniature wheelies where my front when my front wheels come off like an inch and a half. So Well, that's so how you counts. start. Yeah. And then you go from there and you'll you'll learn how to hold it and ride it. And it's 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 not as hard as it sounds. It's just weird at first because, well, you're not used to riding with your wheel coming up. I think that's Brian's number one goal is to be able to switch gears while on the monkey. He's, you know, he knows he can do it, but switching gears is when the bike comes down. So. Yeah. It's, it's harder. It's actually harder on the monkey than anything I'm else. sure. Like yeah. regular bikes, you've got enough power that you can just power through everything. But yeah, anyway, we, but it's have, easy we have different easier. outlooks on life, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, the only, is real. We only have a few minutes left, but I do want to talk about gear before we go. Okay. Um, First thing, we've talked about helmets actually on the show before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My lack of being able to find a helmet. Yeah. Yeah. If you've got a big head yeah. or a really tiny head, buying helmets sucks. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a pain in the butt. And typically, unfortunately, the cheap plastic brands are the, they're the ones who are going to have the, the widest range of helmets. Were you the one that told me that most, mo- most helmet shells from companies are the same? It's just the amount of padding depends on the size of the helmet? On cheaper helmets, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. So you typically have, they'll tell you, most good companies, if they have, two, three, four, or even five helmet sizes. So like typically a triple extra small or a double extra small is one, then extra small to small is one, medium to large is one, extra large to extra extra large is two, and then triple extra large is, should be its own. Um, the three X is right there with me. Yeah. Yeah. And the problem with those is, is if you, if it's not its own, that means the large and the extra large have a ton of padding in them and they're just awkward and heavy and kind of weird. And then, yeah, it's just, and the downside is you're like, well, you can't fit into smaller shelves. Even if they're a triple extra large, you can't get your head through the opening. So it's a tough, it's a tough I, spot. I love my opening one. That, that one's great. Flip up helmets. Flip yeah. up helmet. Um, the one thing I did run into is I found a comfortable helmet, but then I put a communication system in it and putting the head- headphones in, even though there were rivets or divots, I had to, I had to carve them out myself because that putting that, just that extra little bit of yep. caused me discomfort. So, yeah, and I, a lot of helmets, you have to cut out the earports for a communication yeah. system. Um, it's important. You want your helmet to be comfortable. You Not only to save your life, but you're, it's the one thing you're going to wear the most, probably beside your gloves. So, um, gloves and boots. Um, but it's important it to be comfortable. And sometimes you, I mean, literally put it on and walk around the store. And, yeah. and lean back and forth. And, I mean, because you will figure out little pinch points that's, you know, you're adding a lot more weight to the top of your head. So, your neck's going to need to be used to that. So. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it. But three pounds is a lot of weight on, it is, on yeah. when you add it to your head. Yeah. Um, you get what you pay for in helmets uh, almost 100% of the time. Arai, showy, like Arai especially tends to be kind of the top for comfort and quality across yeah, the board. Price. And there's a reason. Yeah. yeah. And there's a reason they start at like 500 bucks and up. Um, 
But the sweet spot's typically a good helmet. I'm not going to apologize for this. is about 700 bucks. And that's, that's what a good helmet costs. If you want to, if you get one that's not painted, 600 bucks. So prepare for that ahead of time. I know you just bought a $4,000 Grom and you're like, why do I need to spend this for a helmet? Because your head goes in it. Yeah. And that's important. So don't drop your helmets. If you crash in your helmet, get a new helmet. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, they, they're, they are meant, you probably could wear them again, but it's not, that's not the safety. And it's not a sales thing where they want to sell no. more helmets. They, they're meant to do a job once. Yeah, they're meant to protect your head, which means they're meant to absorb as much energy as possible, which means destroying themselves in the process. Think of it like a crumple zone on a car. So same kind of thing. Uh, the next thing is boots. Um, I think, it, I'm going to say footwear. It's important. I think uh, through today's riding, and we've I've seen it a ton, like you go on the cycle gear and things like that. There's so many new boots and things like that, and pants too. Like you can now get riding jeans that are... that are Yeah, I mean, been, been able to get those for a long time. Kevlar impregnated, armor yeah. impregnated, yeah. But boots are important uh, depending on, you know, you want them something to protect you because if that bike goes down on that foot, you want it to be protect your foot from the heat, from the road, anything. Uh, ankle support is important. It took me a long time to find boots when I'm riding the big bike because I have to be comfortable in it and I have to be able to... I'm, my biggest problem with wearing boots on the big bike is I don't have any feel for when I'm touching yeah. the back brake and I end up nailing it. But yeah. <laughs> It's important. I mean, there are some really nice looking. I mean, if you want to be aesthetically pleasing to yourself, there are some really nice stuff that will protect you that are, you know, built in. Um, and, you know, I figure it out. Like, go down there, test it out. Um, there's, if you don't know this and you're big into bikes, they just opened a new store in Bellevue at, um, at Crossroads uh, Cycle Gear, and they're great down there. Yeah, Cycle Gear is really friendly. Good dudes. Yeah. Um, yeah, good boots. Typically run two to 500 bucks. Uh, Alpen Stars. Probably the most popular brand out there for good reason. They've been around a very long time. Um, been riding with them most of my life. My preferred street boot is a CD Adventure boot, actually. Been riding with those for a long time in dual sport land. Gore-Tex liner, really comfortable. That said, the most common injury on a motorcycle, guess what? It's your feet. Uh, even on street, that's the most common injury. Usually your leg gets trapped under the bike in a crash, or you fall over and you try and catch yourself, and you're trying to catch an additional three to 500 pounds, and your ankle isn't going to support that, which is why that ankle protection is so important. Yeah. So think about that. Helmet and boots are your two most important pieces of riding gear, in my opinion. I know that your chest is there. Uh, gloves, obviously, <laughs> be another big one, too. But, yeah, and your hand is the other, the second most common injury. Your wrist, actually, not your hand, your wrist. You typically will crack your wrist falling. Um, so gloves aren't going to help you too much there, but it will allow you to... Uh, keep well, your skin on there. So you keep your skin yeah. on there, yeah. So, uh, yeah, spend your invest your money in your helmet, your boots, and your gloves because those are the things that are going to be... You're going to notice the discomfort in those the most. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Jacket, pants, backpack, all that stuff. Look, the jacket and the pants uh, vary so much depending on what you're doing. I can just say the cheap stuff is usually cheap for a reason. The expensive stuff is usually expensive for a reason. That said, new riders usually make the mistake of getting gear that looks really cool but is too bulky, and then they can't move very well in it, and that will actually cause them to crash um, if it's too restrictive, especially for sport bike gear. It's meant to be really form-fitting but has a break-in period. Uh, adventure gear tends to be too many pockets, too thick, just feels like a, a, and if you get the wrong size, it's got to be really fitted. Otherwise you end up with like, you know, you have drag because you are a drag coefficient on a motorcycle. So keep that in mind. Your jean jacket isn't going to do anything for you. Your cosmetic leather jacket that you bought from Nordstrom is going to fall off. Burn you like you've through never, your skin. Yeah, too. it's worthless. Uh, there's a reason motorcycle jackets are heavy. This is one thing I'm looking into right now and I haven't found anything yet is uh, any light armor. They're, they have some like really nice light armor stuff you can get. Leah. Make sure that you have your armor before you buy your jacket. Because if you go out and buy a jacket that fits you and it's great and you go buy armor, <laughs> your jacket's not going to fit you anymore. Yeah, a lot you, of these jackets have armor in it, but like, like I'm talking about like some of the new just like body... That's what I prefer. Plates, yeah. yeah. They're lightweight. I mean, it's better than having nothing there. So, yeah. Yeah, so I, yeah, I prefer an armor suit, which is just a, like it's, it's almost a shirt with plastic armor in it. Yep. And the plastic guard for the back, and the, that's called a roost protector. Uh, chest protector is not for crushing, or chest protector is for roost protection from bikes in front of you. Uh, but I like that stuff off-road, and I like that it, I eventually learned to rely on it, not in a, a reckless sense, in the sense that when I go into bushes or things like that, and there's stuff in the trail, I don't even flinch. I yeah. just let it hit me, because it doesn't hurt. I'm armored. And I can just go, hit, like, you know, bushes in the way, whatever. A lot of people tend to duck and flinch, and that's where they crash, because they're not focused on where they're going in front of them. I look ahead, and I just plow through it. And if it's a big branch and it stings a little, who cares? Like, I'm covered in armor. That's what it's for. <laughs> I'm invincible. <laughs> kind of, yeah. And then riding shorts underneath that, like, my hips are protected, my legs are protected from my sure. knee guards. Like, once you, armor's great off-road once you get used to wearing it because you become so much more aggressive. 
I will say this: the one piece that I love, and I I don't wear them enough because, but I've got those knee guards and, and shin guards I got for the monkey thing, and then they've got ports, metal supports between my knees, mm-hmm. which a couple of times knee, I braces. Tweaked, yeah. knee braces really helped. Oh having yeah, having that extra support. So yeah, yeah, I used to ride with um, EVS carbon fiber ones on both my legs. Now, I, to be fair, I had a deal with <laughs> working at yeah. the bike shop where I, I got them at a very very heavily discounted price. Uh, but I know for a fact that often your insurance will cover those as you get older, especially or if you play other sports and you need a knee brace for football or whatever. Younger younger guys, uh, you can actually get your insurance to cover a lot of those. So yeah. check. Uh, I know my HSA at work. Um, we have our. Um, yeah, my HSA, yeah, my reimbursement will cover those. Even my my work itself, we have work perks and for sports and things like that, where they you know they pay you a little extra. They will cover costs yeah. of active sports. Keep yeah, you healthy. If you stay actually, healthy. Yeah, yeah. If you stay healthy, it's cheaper for them. Yeah. So uh, yeah, they will actually reimburse those. So check that out. Again, I mean, and I you know if you're going to get armor knee stuff, get it first, then get your clothes. Yes, it's hard to get pants on over. <laughs> yeah, regular so, yeah. pants. All riding pants will accommodate for that. Any good ones yeah. worth their salt are made for that. Um, but yeah, keep that in mind. Yeah. The last thing I said, we talked about it earlier a little bit, is the backpack. Uh, your crappy school backpack is not going to do the job. You want a backpack that fits you really tight and isn't doesn't turn into a giant sail when yeah. it's not tight enough to your body. Um, I love the Climb Pack. I think it's the best one out there. Central, oh, the ones we have the, with the water? Yeah. yeah. I love that bike. Come with a bladder built in. Yeah. The, and it's got a built-in tool, uh, tool pouch and all that. Yeah. Yep. And it's glove-friendly to be yep. released, so you don't have to take off your gloves to release the backpack from you. And it sits really tight to your body without being uncomfortable. The straps are really wide. Yeah, that center, that center chest has got uh, some flaps underneath it that really spread out the weight, too. Yep. And women or men, it's great for however you're built. So very adjustable. Uh, uh, any bag bag you're going to have on a motorcycle, you are going to strap to you as tight as you can get because, like I said, you want it to be a part of you. Yeah. And even at, like, low speed around town stuff, you're going to notice that drag. So, Yeah. yeah. Spend the money on a good backpack. Like I said, I'm a big fan of the Climb one. I didn't get mine for free. It's great. Uh, Kriga also makes a great pack. If you want something a little more premium. Can't say it as good enough stuff about, speaking back to clothes with uh, Moscow. Uh, who's, who's the pants? Moscow Moto. Moscow Moto. Oh, I yeah. Mean, they're not cheap, but it's great stuff. Um, if you've listened to the Monkey episode, you know Brandon tested them on the ground. He just got right down there and tried to test those pants. That's right. Great. So yeah, <laughs> some minor road rash. But, yeah, uh, yeah. We've we've seen gear work firsthand, and we highly recommend it. And yeah. good gear is comfortable gear. Yeah, you don't mind wearing. So keep that in mind. <laughs> and there are times when I I sit there and I go, oh, I don't need to put on my knee pads because and then I'm like, nope, I need to go do that. Like <laughs> then you remember the time Dan broke his leg in half because he <laughs> didn't wear his knee pads. That. Yeah, that's a lot of times. Yeah, so don't ride alone either, people. Just I'm gonna say it. Don't ride alone. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, it's a prince. So I was going to add this in earlier, and I should have. Uh, the new iPhone 14 uh, has emergency crash protection. Uh, the watch, too, right? I think it's the phone. Watch. Yeah, I do really want the watch, too. <laughs> so, um, yeah. But yeah, not only does it have a satellite connection, but it has crash protection. So if you crash and it triggers a bunch of G-forces, that said, road racers, racers, this thing will go off on an enduro if you have it in your backpack and you're doing an enduro and riding really hard. It'll actually go off accidentally. Uh, but if you crash really hard on a motorcycle, it's a great thing to have. And on top of that, new feature, I did not, they didn't spend nearly enough time saying this, it has a new band of GPS. Not new to us, new to iPhone. Android's had it forever because that's typically how it works. Yeah. But they finally have a high-frequency band GPS, which makes it way more accurate than it's ever been. And iPhones are notoriously kind of bad at GPS compared to, compared to Android devices. Um, in fact, they're terrible at GPS compared to Android devices because they didn't have the right equipment in them. They do now, and you can get a much better GPS signal. So you've been looking for that little itch of like, eh, why do I need one of these? And you want to mount a phone on your bike, which you should. Um, we can get into that back and forth a little bit. Uh, <laughs> quad lock's the only way to go with the anti-vibration mount. Yes. Say it again. We covered it multiple times on multiple episodes. But if you're going to mount a phone to your bike, RAM mount sucks. Don't care what anybody says. Rockform finally has an anti-vibration mount. But quad locks are expensive, and they're worth it. They're expensive for a reason. But this is the only way to go if you don't want to blow up your camera on your iPhone. And when you buy the package, put in the anti-vibration. Dan tested that. Oh, yeah. yeah. I broke a camera yeah. before I had it. Um, yeah. and it does work. And we torture tested ours with the anti-vibration God, yes. mount. And all of our cameras still worked after that. So just saying, quad lock, anti-vibration mount, wireless charging head if you really want to get fancy. Exactly. If you use GPS, you need the wireless charging head, by the way. If you use your phone for like um, Onyx or Gaia yeah. on your bike, it will burn through your battery so fast, and you'll need that wireless charging head to keep it running. Yeah. Uh, we didn't touch on this, but it is something we, we will do. Is I mean, 
coming this is part of regulations all these bikes come with the most uglier the back ends the getting rid of fender <laughs> fender eliminators is something i uh, do instantaneously um make sure make sure whatever kit you get has the right lights on it that, that replaces your your lights as far as your your license plate light and all that make sure they're legal because that's big but it gets that big piece of plastic off the back which i do not understand it's dot stuff but yeah, yeah. it's dot it has to come down to i think the center line of your tire or yeah. like a certain distance from it and then it has a certain amount of reflectors on it uh yeah i know technically all fender eliminators are technically illegal but as long as you have a light on them i don't pretty much nobody gets harassed you have just to ha- for that. you have to have a a, a a a license plate light and and also when you get one your license plate has to be readable it can't be flat up against the back inside of the you will be pulled over. these are things you'll be pulled over for yeah so yeah that said there there are certain ones that flip up really easy yeah just I've heard of those. I've, I mean, I've seen them on YouTube. Yeah, I think it's, it's a myth. Totally. But just yeah, on YouTube. It's on, on the YouTube. Who would do such a thing? I don't know. That's yeah. weird. Yeah. Uh, that said, if you do do that and you have a dual sport, prepare to have your back covered in mud at all times, even in the most like mildly wet day. Because one benefit of that, if you commute yeah. on your bike, don't do it. It's almost like it's a fender. It's almost like that. Yeah. 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 So if you commute on your bike, honestly, yeah. think about that before you, if you really commute on your bike, yeah. you're going to get really dirty on the way to wherever you're going. Yeah. Pretty much. Well, uh, I think that kind of wraps up. That's that's a basic, you know, if you have any questions, you can reach out to Dan and I. If uh, you want to go riding, reach out to Dan and I. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I will say this. I have a hard time putting my bike away for the winter. Like, I don't know. Because every once in a while, there's a sunny day, and I'm like, oh, we'll go out. You know, it's <sighs> a little muddy or whatever. But, yeah. Yeah. So, we'll see. Yeah. I just got sad. Sorry, everyone. Anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah. You need to get a bike. So, get on that. Yeah. Be like yeah, me. It's a great so, time to buy a bike. Yes. So, so. All right, well, for this episode of the Avance Podcast, uh, I guess I'm, I'm Nick uh, and you're Dan. That's so. right. <laughs> and don't just get there. Enjoy the ride. Ooh, Ooh. that's a good one. Bye. <laughs>